This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Nick Oliverian. Nick was an activist who died at the age of 32 from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, according to his obituary. Unfortunately, the FBI wasn't convinced. In fact, they made him out to be some kind of international fugitive. His widow, Louise, has been fighting out those claims on Twitter for the last two years. In December of 2021, an American man named Arthur Knight checked himself into the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Glasgow, Scotland, with a bad case of the COVID. He ended up on a ventilator and nearly died. In even worse news for Arthur, he was recognized as being the one and only Nick Oliverdian. He is currently being held by law enforcement in Scotland while the extradition process plays out. This is going to be fun. Hey everybody and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver. I'm here with my co-anchor, sister, and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Monday. It is our Monday case already. We Hard have to believe. a big week. Yeah. We do have a big week. We have all kinds of stuff this week. We do. We have this case today. We have new cases on Tuesday, Tuesday night. We have the cold read party. Yes. And then, of course, uh, Wednesday, we have a regular case, and we have Wednesday night, our live stream of case updates, and then Thursday night, the Psychic Hour. So we have a bunch going on. We sure do. It's pretty great. I'm excited. Me too. Well, did you have a great weekend? Yeah, had a great weekend. Just being kind of lazy. I'm starting, I've started art journaling. So I've been having some fun with that. And that's kind of one of my goals. Uh, I don't do resolutions because I don't ever keep them. But one of the things I want to do is do more creative things that are just for myself. And because I do a lot of creative things that are for my podcast or my TikTok or whatever, you know. Yeah. Do something that's just for me. So that's what the, yeah. the art journaling is for. So fun. Yeah. Oh, very good. Wonderful. Well. As you can see from the intro, we have quite a case today. We do, it sounds like. This is all new to me, you guys. You guys are going to die. I have so much to share. But before that, we have one of our new segments. Christy, uh, I'm going to turn the mic over to you for racial injustice. All right. Have you ever wondered what might happen if the police came to arrest you 
because you had the same name as someone they were looking for. Well, that almost happened to our sister. Yes, it did. That is true. And you would think maybe that if that were to happen, that the police would ensure that, you know, not only did your name match, but so did your physical description, wouldn't you? You would hope. You would hope. Things along those lines. Unfortunately, the Las Vegas police in January of 2020 made a huge mistake when they arrested the wrong Shane Lee Brown. Ouch. He didn't have his driver's license on him, um, but he did have his social security card, so they had his name. Mm-hmm. Well, they discover that they have a bench warrant for a Shane Brown, who was facing some weapons charges. And so... Unfortunately, the Shane Lee Brown they were looking for was uh, 49, and he was a white guy with blue eyes and a big bushy beard. Oh. However, they arrested 23-year-old black Shane Lee Brown. Hmm. Now, I mean... There's got to have been some kind of description, right? Like, there's right. some way to know. Um, The Shane Brown that got arrested pled with officers that he was not the Shane Brown in the bench warrant, that he, they were wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, they t- completely ignored him. They took him to jail. He spent um, several days in jail in Las Vegas. They recorded him as an inmate. With his correct date of birth, race, and height. But they assigned him. Oh, they no, no. They also gave him a different identification number than the older Shane Brown. So it should have been obvious that this was not the same guy. Yeah. Finally, when he had gone before a judge. Mm-hmm. The judge compared side-by-side photos of them to discover that, in fact, this guy had nothing to do with the Shane Lee Brown uh. they were looking for. Unfortunately, he had already, he would have spent six days in jail before this mistake was remedied. How? Because How? they're no racist assholes. It was kind of like, well, he's a black guy, so he probably did it. Really. I mean, this is just the attitude. Because he told them, look, you need to look this up. I am not the right guy. Mm-hmm. He, they would not listen to him. They had a description of the guy they were looking for. You know, mm-hmm. the dude had, okay, the dude looked like Santa Claus. He was 49. He was white. He had a bushy white beard and blue eyes. And yeah. yet, they arrested a black man. And kept him for six days? And kept him for six days. Oh, so, my God. rightfully so... Shane Lee Brown, 23, is suing. And I hope he gets every penny he deserves. Me too. Wow. And with that, I send it back to you for our main case. Okay. Well, let's talk about Nick. This is Nick Alaverdian. Okay. Nick is from Rhode Island where he maybe supposedly 
was a foster kid. And I only say that because he's a big damn liar. So what we know about his past and what's true is kind of iffy. So there's a lot out there, but it's a little bit iffy. According to Nick, he was a foster kid who was terribly mistreated in the system. No, we can believe that. There's been a whole lot of that going down. He claims that he was sent off to some kind of like a a boys school in Florida where he was tortured and molested and treated very poorly. Mm. But we also know that at age 14, he began working as a page at the state house in Rhode Island. So at 14? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. His claim. So that seems it, odd. The timing is weird. Uh, everything about this guy is weird. But he spent 20 years. Not even that. He says 20 years, but he wasn't that old. But he, he spent a great deal of his adult life. Uh, working with legislators and fighting against child and family services, trying to uh, get better treatment for kids in the system. That was his uh, big claim to fame, that that's what he was doing. Okay. Um, He worked off and on uh, in the state house, even as an adult. That's what he says, but he's actually lived all over the place. So it's all a little bit murky. Mm -hmm. But... In 2008, he was in Ohio and, well, I want to back up. Actually, as a teenager, when he was still working uh, for senators, there was a senator that he had uh, a lot to do with. He was quite connected to uh, with him and his family, and he had convinced them to allow him to, uh, to, to adopt him. And like as an adult. Mm -hmm. Okay. No, no, not as an adult. It's a teenager. Oh, okay. Because I mean, adults can be adopted. So yeah, no, this, he was a teenager at the time. This was in 2000. And so uh, this is a person by the last name of a Coogan. Okay. And Brian Coogan uh, is his name. He was a state representative. He and his wife were really trying to help this boy that had had such a hard time uh, by his own, uh, you know, what the story that he told, right? right. That he'd had such a, such a hard time. So they really wanted to help him. They moved him into their house. They were trying to give him a permanent family. Um, he begged them to adopt him. And they were set to adopt him. And Coogan said in an article with the Daily Mail, he said on the day he was in court to begin adoption proceedings, he overheard Nick threatening a social worker, saying, I'll tell them you abused me and that you hit me. Uh And that really worried him because he'd talked a lot about all the abuse that he had suffered. Right. But that didn't sound like that, you know, that worried him. So he they did not follow through with uh, with the adoption. And he said, actually, a judge talked Coogan and his wife out of the adoption, saying that this boy was manipulative and prone to stealing people's identities. Mm. So 
they did allow him to stay. I, it seems like he must have lived with them for a while. Uh, one thing that they learned is that a kid in their family, Nick was crazy smart, crazy smart, and a really good writer. One of the kids in their family needed help writing a story for or a paper for school. Uh, Nick told him he'd help him do it for $200. So he paid him $200. He helped him write this paper or he wrote it. I don't know. Um, this kid goes and turns it in. And after it's turned in, Nick says, all right, well, I have a copy of it. So how much are you going to pay me to not go show it to your teacher and tell you that you plagiarized? Blackmail, little weasel. What? This was the kind of shit he was up to, apparently, from, uh, you know, a young age, according to the Daily Mail and Mr. Coogan. Mm-hmm. At any rate, uh, at some point he ends up in Ohio. And in 2008 in Ohio, he is a college student in a community college there. And he gets charged with some sex crimes. Um, They call it an incident with a student in a stairwell. Sounds about the way a college would deem a sexual assault. (laughs) A sexual assault. Uh, He had some other uh, incidences with the law for exposing himself and masturbating in public. They didn't call it a sexual assault per se, like a physical sexual assault, but he did have sex charges and he did have to register as a sex offender. Okay. So he leaves Ohio and at some point goes to Orem, Utah for a little while. Why? Because mm. when he was in Ohio, he did a little bit of jail time and guess what? Mm. He found the Jesus. Oh. And got baptized into the Mormon church. Oh, are you serious? <laughs> Why does it always come back to Mormons? I just don't know. So he spent a little time in 2008-ish in Utah, in the Orem, Provo area. Mm-hmm. Then he, or the Salt Lake City area, essentially, in that the Salt Lake City Valley. Uh, then he ends up back on the East Coast. Well, sometime around 2012, he is attending Harvard as an extension student. And he gets arrested. That means. It means he's not going to Harvard as a full-fledged student. He's going kind of like as a uh, correspondent student, maybe, or in their extended uh, campus. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Uh, so he gets arrested. Why does he get arrested? Because he has not registered as a sex offender. Oh, ooh. This happened in Boston. And so, and this was in, yes, this was in 2012. Yeah. Okay. Um, They end up kicking him out of the school. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to do other things. Things that we don't really, there's not a great timeline of what he does after that for a little while. Okay. But what we know then, well, he continues to write a lot of manifestos kind of books and big, wild, uh, you know, things accusing of all of this abuse and going after the Department of Family and Child Services and uh, really ingratiating himself with a lot of 
politicians in Rhode Island trying to, you know, write bills and, you know, essentially to help kids, we hope, right? I mean, that that's who he sells himself to be, but it's just a tough deal. There's even pictures of him floating around of him on the uh, internet with Mike Pence. <laughs> well, of course there is. But he's a yeah. sex offender. I mean, mm -hmm. this is a no. This is a he's definite a no. Offender. Under under the radar, mm -hmm. under the radar. So, in 2015, there is a man that is being excommunicated from the LDS Church, and at the time, it appears that he actually works for the Mormon Church, okay, uh, in some kind of communications or something along those lines. Uh, he has a blog, which sadly is no longer available. So wish it wasn't. Uh, gone, but it is. But anyway, there's a man that's being excommunicated from the Mormon church who has been sharing big opinions. And uh, a lot of LDS people are pretty upset about it. Some people are really kind of following this guy. Well, Nick has big opinions about it and has written some big hit pieces on this person. And those pieces um, have resulted in him getting a ton of attention. Some Brigham Young University uh, professors have shared links to his articles and he's suddenly getting all of this attention online. Oh, Mr. Unregistered Sex Offender getting all this attention. Mm -hmm. Well, that kind of uh, came down on him. And here's, yeah. uh, here's what he says about, uh, this is a little uh, excerpt of what he says about the person who's being excommunicated. Any idea who this person is, by the way? Um, I mean, what year was it? 2015. 2015? I don't know if it was John DeLynn? It was John DeLynn. Okay. Yeah. John DeLynn, yep. Which I just found ironic because uh, you and I both really like John DeLynn and his work. Anyway. Yeah, check, yeah. This is what he says about John DeLynn. Some of you guys will die laughing about this. Some of you won't get it. But if you've been following the Lori Vallow case at all, this will ring true to you. John DeLynn is hardly a leader. Speaking out against the church, its teachings, the doctrine, or its leaders is speaking out against Christ. Christ already came. The law was fulfilled in him. According to Mormon doctrine, DeLynn is acting like the Book of Mormon instigator, Korahor. <laughs> no shit. He used Korahor. Oh, you guys. Denying the following the Lori Debo Vallow case. You should, because then you get that <laughs> reference. Oh, that's funny. I have laughed myself silly about this this afternoon. Uh, following the formula of Christ's approach does not immunize one from the church discipline when that behavior is unchristian. Oh. Hmm. So those are kind of the vein of the things that he was writing on his blog about Dylan. Sure. Well, I found a lawsuit today while I was researching our pal Nick here from 2015 because apparently when his articles got, you know, they were getting lots of hits to his website, he started getting quite a bit of mail, emails and stuff. Some mm -hmm. hate mail, some not hate mail, but lots of attention, right? Right. Well, somebody on Twitter messaged him and said, hey, uh, I got this email from you. If this was you, you need to knock it off. Uh, if it wasn't you, you should know that someone's sending this stuff out. Well, it wasn't him. 
It was someone else. It was a guy by the last name of Namelka, Christopher Namelka. From where? Orem, Utah. <laughs> oh, okay. He was sending emails. He was gathering emails. It looks like by, I, I'm not entirely sure, but it looks like by, you know, checking out everyone who was commenting and sharing all of his articles, commenting on Twitter. So he starts gathering this uh, email list up of people and hammering them several times a day with emails, supposedly from Nick. And they are a little disastrous for Nick. I, I'm going to, I can't read it all to you or we'll get kicked off of YouTube, but um, uh, oh, it starts with my beloved brothers and sisters. Oh boy. I'm Nicholas Aliverdian and public relations specialist of the Mormon church. I'm a registered sex offender. I'm a Mormon with lots of links to all of his oh. stuff. I bear testimony that I know with every fiber of my exposed Woody that the Book of Mormon is blue, and I testify to you that I'm not the only true and living sex offender in the church. And it goes on and on and on. Oh, my gosh. I'll link it so that you guys can read it if you want to. Again, don't want to get kicked off YouTube over it. I died. Wow. I died. Yeah. There's also a very ugly gay slur in it. Oh, um, well, of course. Then he followed it up with another email. <laughs> Who is this genius? Oh, you'll like, find give out. him a high five, except for the gay slur. <laughs> you're you're going to die. Okay. He says, there's the second email. Call me if you have a problem with my honest email. My number is, and publishes his true cell phone number. Oh. Also, follow me on Twitter. May the mighty Joseph destroy every single unbeliever with my iron rod. <laughs> Please do not forget, I'm a sex offender. So call me, sexy ladies. Oh, my God. Yep. Wow. With uh, another link to the article about him uh, with the charges that he had uh, at Sinclair Community College. Like, really outing him. Oh, wow. Well, Nick does not like this. <laughs> <laughs> really? So he contacts his attorney and law enforcement and the church. And they figure out who this person is. His name is Christopher Namelka. Again, he lives in Orem, Utah. Uh, <laughs> Christopher Namelka believes that he translated the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon. He also believes that he is the reincarnation of Hiram Smith. <laughs> what? And the Orem, Utah Police Department informed the plaintiff that the defendant is known to law enforcement, is psychologically unstable, and has done this to other people before. I mean, it's horrible, but it's not untrue. Right. Yeah. Uh, also hilarious. I, it's killed But then me. he's like um, a pre-Chad Daybell? Great. He's like a pre-Chad Daybell. Yeah. Yes. But also, uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, also the scammer gets scammed with this guy. Anyway. Right. That is all pretty great. 
so that's the timeline up to this point. That's 2015. These are some of the things we know about uh, about Nick. So Nick is married and divorced uh, twice in the, the, that <laughs> time period. Uh, I wonder why. He gets divorced. Well, he gets married in 2015 and gets divorced in 2017. And that was his second uh, marriage. So in 2018, the FBI come calling because one of Nicholas's former foster mothers has gone to the FBI and said that he has stolen the identity of her husband, has taken out 22 credit cards in his name, and has run up a $200,000 debt. Oh, my God. Also, his most recent ex-wife says that he has scammed her and owes her about $60,000. Wow. Well, right after the FBI come. Where's Christopher Namelka when you need him? (laughs) That's a good question. Well, right after that happens, he announces all over social media because you got to remember in Rhode Island, he's like this little hero that has been, you know, fighting for the children and all of this stuff. And he does have a, a following of sorts. Mm-hmm. Well, he announces to his following that he has been diagnosed with, uh, with, oh God, with cancer mm-hmm. and that he's dying. <laughs> Out of the blue. I'm sure it's true. I'm 100% sure this is true when he's now getting in trouble with the FBI and, you know, Mm -hmm. identity theft and shit. Yeah, this is a very convenient time to get cancer. Okay, got it. It most certainly is, isn't it? Well, lo and behold, he dies. At least that's what his obituary said. This very flowery obituary is released uh, and says uh, that he has died on February 29th, 2020. And he died on leap year, leap day? Apparently. Yeah. And why he chose that day? I don't know. To, to, to die. Hmm. The obituary is really something really something Mm -hmm. it is really long it claims that he died with his family and his wife and two children that he died in his wife's arms while listening to the soundtrack of his favorite movie what was the movie contact (laughs) okay like composer (laughs) alan silvestri I okay. Hmm. Film and score, which held special meeting to Mr. Aliverdian. It's all really cool. It also says that he was a devout Roman Catholic, which is interesting because um, he, <laughs> what? he hasn't been. Well, I read something online about him having a bad flame out with the church and writing them a really scathing letter, but I couldn't find it. So I don't know. I mean, what could possibly have made that happen? I can't imagine. <laughs> It's really hard to know. Well, there's some problems with old Nick's death. Well, I would First of which, the obituary says that he was cremated and his ashes were scattered at sea. 
Because of course <laughs> they were. Well, that is a very convenient way to make sure no one can ever find your body. Scattered at sea, everyone. Correct. Well, there is a person who is reaching out, claiming to be his late wife, Louise. His late wife? She's dead, too? Well, no, sorry. His his widow, Louise. His widow. Gotcha. Problem is, there's no record of Louise. No one has any idea who Louise is. Uh, pretty sure Louise's name is Nick. But anyway, Louise puts this obituary up on the internet, starts announcing on all of his social media that he has died, converts all of his social media to memorial pages, and sends his obituary to... Uh, to all the new, the magazine or the newspapers, uh, to particularly to the Providence uh, newspaper. Sure. Well, the Providence newspaper has a policy, and that policy is: if we don't receive your obituary from a funeral home, we have to see the death certificate in order for us to publish the obituary. Sure. Well, Louise cannot provide this. And there's no way of proving anything. Her husband's ashes have already been scattered at sea. <laughs> Sorry, Louise, not doing it. Wow. Also, Louise uh, tries to have a small service arranged for him at a local Catholic church who also uh, smell a rat and cancel the service and say they just can't do it because something's wrong. Right. right? This is not the order in which these things occur. No. And the FBI is like, hmm. However, the politicians in Rhode Island <laughs> fall for it, hook, line, and sinker. And <laughs> he is mentioned in the state house. There's a moment of silence. His uh, widow is mailed all of these uh, accolades and certificates, and they fell for it hardcore. Wow. But the FBI doesn't, and they're still looking for him. So... On his Twitter memorial page, there's a bunch of posts about uh, basically claiming that law enforcement is doing everything they can to defame Nick in his death uh, and claiming that he's alive. Fine, you can just think whatever you want to. The way you're treating or acting about him just furthers, uh, you know, his belief that they were just always trying to set him up and prove that he was a liar because they didn't want all of their secrets to be exposed. You know, that vein of <laughs> oh, okay, lots sounds... of lots of fake news stuff. This was yeah, all yeah. fake, just all fake news because Nick was Nick the Great was wonderful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so something else has been happening over uh, in Orem, Utah. There was a rape in Utah mm. in 2008 in Orem. And Utah, like lots of other states, had this huge backlog of rape kits. Of well, they finally got a grant from the federal government and processed them all. So they had this uh, semen that matched up to Nick. Oh, bastard. But when Nick was in Utah, he was going by a different name. We now know that Nick's had about eight different aliases. Mm. The FBI is now saying that that DNA is matching up to a bunch of sexual assaults across the country. Oh. 
So this asshole. So not only is he wanted particularly in Utah, but he was also already, you know, being investigated by the FBI because of all of the fraud. But now it looks like it's possible that there'll be more sexual assault charges. So the FBI has been looking for him and they actually had him listed in Interpol because uh, some of the senators said that Louise had told them that they were living in various countries in Ireland in Quebec. Uh, various. It, she had said that they had to live overseas because law enforcement was constantly targeting him and were just, you know, trying to always cover up all their secrets. Yeah. <sighs> all right. So anyway. Something happened to poor old Nick. He got the vid in <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> this is so much poetic justice, it just kills me. So in December, a man named Arthur Knight checked into the Queen Elizabeth Hospital in Glasgow, Scotland, or Glasgow. Somebody mm -hmm. will blame me for saying it wrong, I know, but Glasgow. That's my best guess. <laughs> That's my best pronunciation. Uh, he was very, very sick. He nearly died. He ended up intubated. Wow. Well, we're not entirely sure how the hospital put two and two together. We don't really know. There's parts of the story we just don't know yet. We'll get them. Mm -hmm. But uh, they end up calling Interpol and saying, uh, we have a fugitive here. So that man who was claiming to be Arthur Knight was, in fact, our little Nick. Oh, my God. So uh, now we do know for certain that he has faked his own death, which, uh, by the way, will come with more fraud charges. Oh, yeah, that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. But uh, he has lived. He's, uh, you know, he, he did live through the vid now. Uh, good job, Scotland. They saved him. And <laughs> so they have verified that he has now been on video uh, in some kind of court proceeding. They are holding him there and getting ready to extradite him back to Utah. Utah gets oh, wow. first crack at him. Okay. And, and then the federal government will be going, uh, you know, after with forward, it looks well, like, with their feds, Please too. be prepared because Utah handles sexual assault cases about as well as Idaho. So mm -hmm. he's not going to get much for this. Yeah. So feds, do your <laughs> best. Be ready. Yeah. But also, this guy has managed to, uh, you know, slide under the radar now for quite some time and get away with this stuff. So, yeah. Wow. He's mm -hmm. just, I just, I don't even hardly even know what to say. It's, <laughs> it's quite so a, it's weird. almost a catch me if you can kind of tale. Yes, you know? yes it is. I, lots of stuff like, oh, the Wikipedia thing. So, Wikipedia oh. He's been doing battle with Wikipedia uh, for a, quite a while because he put up his own wiki and he did. has altered it over and over again. And then this last year put up a picture on his wiki that's of someone that's not him. Oh, and sure. To try made to lots and up. lots of requests to delete all of the other pictures on Wikipedia of him. Until somebody finally went, that's not him. That guy's a, it's a senator, actually, I think, or a politician of some sort. Anyway, they finally, they, they figured it out. Uh, <laughs> put his right picture up. 
and things. Uh, there's a new wiki of him that I don't think he'll That's really be able interesting, to. though, that he could, be, he could be fighting while from the grave about right. his picture uh, being, mm-hmm. you know, which picture well, it's should not be up him. on Wikipedia. A bunch of sock puppet accounts, you know. Right, I know, and, but yeah, yeah, like. And Wikipedia is like, what the hell? a little shithead, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Well, Wikipedia is like, we don't get like all these requests to alter these accounts constantly. Like, what is this? But yeah. it's not just, it partly was to make him look amazing. Amazing. If you, on the outside looking into this guy, you'd be like, wow, Harvard educated. <laughs> no. Wrote for Providence newspaper, deeply embedded in Rhode Island politics, activist who has been fighting for the children for the last 20 years. That's how he built himself. The problem with that is well, that... Well, also being a sex offender. That's... Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and I'm expecting a lot more than we even know of yet. We'll find out. Uh, you know, that, that none of that is... There's so much more to come in this case. This is just... Well, I'd be so curious to find out what is his actual history. Right. Like, what's his real a lot history? of lies here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there are some interesting things here. The Providence uh, News said um, he wrote in an opinion piece once that we published in our editorials. Yeah. Never worked for them. No. Um, oh, author, international author was another claim that he made. Um, he has self-published a book. Uh, Harvard educated. This one's really interesting. He did attend Harvard briefly. He didn't graduate right. from Harvard. He also claims to be a political scientist, political scientist and sociologist, but there's no proof that he's ever graduated from any college. Mm-hmm. And maybe he has, but there's no, no one's finding that on the internet. Cause now, you know, investigative journalists Seems unlikely at this point going crazy with this stuff, trying to figure out like who really is this person? Yeah. Right. So that's what we know. So I don't know if Louise is going to start hitting us up about this uh, expose here. I don't know. (laughs) However, I'm going to tell you, Louise and anybody else, that I will put all of the links for all of the information that I found in the show description so that you can check them out for yourselves. I'll also put a link to the article uh, or, well, yeah, the legal documents between... (laughs) Aliverdian and Namelka, if you'd like to uh, check out a little bit more about that very interesting case. And you can come to your own conclusions, but this is what we know so far, what we think we know so far. So we'll definitely keep an eye on this case because, well, I think it's very interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. And we want to know. Well, yeah. He's responsible for a bunch more sex crimes, then by God, lock his ass up. Mm -hmm. We want to know that and we want to know that he well and the identity theft man that just screws up people's lives terribly yes it does yes it does yep so this is what we know so far so christy i'm going to turn the mic over to you for a missing person spotlight okay well let's do that Are you familiar at all with the missing Skelton children? Oh, that does sound familiar, but yeah, carry on. They went missing in 2010. Uh, They were with their father, 
John Skelton. And he was supposed to return them to their mother, uh, I think the day after Thanksgiving. Okay. Well, he didn't turn up with them. And so mom reported them missing. And uh, dad was found uh, in Ohio. Dad was found that he had been to Ohio and back to Michigan. Mm -hmm. And the boys were not with him. He said he gave them to some kind of underground protection service that had something to do with the Amish. Oh, boy. That sounds legit. Mm -hmm. Sound like anyone else we know? Mm -hmm. And they have not... Yeah, I can just right. And they have not been seen yet. They have not been seen since they've been missing for twelve years. Oh my God, their poor mother. I know, right? They were uh, nine, seven, and five. Uh, Andrew, Alexander, and Tanner when they went missing. It was it was on Thanksgiving Day. Mm-hmm. So, police really wanted to get a hold of this moron for something right Mm -hmm. john skelton so they did convict him of unlawful imprisonment of the children because he didn't return them Mm -hmm. and he was sentenced to 10 to 15 years in prison and he still sits in prison and refuses to speak about his kids wow we don't know where they are we don't know what he's done and in 2021 he skipped his parole hearing. We're not mm. sure why, but he did not attend it. So there he was uh, was not granted parole. He will be released in uh, 2025 if he is not granted parole. So he will be released in three years. Wow. Um, or sooner. Mm-hmm. I really question with the parole board if they've said, well, we'd be happy to give you parole if you'll tell us where your kids are. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyway, this is something to keep an eye on because he will um, come up for parole again in September of, of 2022. And if he is um, not released, he will sit till 2025. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, they have never found his children. Where are those kids? Oh where my are God. those kids? What a nightmare. Yeah. And there's just nothing. They just vanished. Mm-hmm. They have no evidence. They have nothing to point to where he could be. And some kind of underground group that has something to do with the Amish. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that's like, I mean, dude, you could have done way better about making some shit up. Right. right? Yeah. Has something Sorry, to do but with no. the Amish. What? Anyway. Well, that's so. the same kind of stuff, you know, that was being thrown around with Lori Vallow. That her it kids is. were in a bunker somewhere. Yeah. It reminded me of the stories that Lori Vallow was saying when her kids were missing when they were actually all dead. Mm-hmm. Um, it's similar. Similar stuff. Yeah. I hadn't heard about this and where dad was supposed to um, have a potential parole hearing mm-hmm. uh, in 2021. Um, we're just going to mm-hmm. kind of keep an eye on it, but we'll we'll tell you more as we find it. But, you know, just know. Those wow. skeleton, those skeleton boys have never been found. That's really sad. Yeah. Well, that's it. So, <laughs> so yeah. that's Monday, guys. So, 
whatever time or day you are watching this case. Uh, thank you for being here. Please like, share, follow. Love having you. If you want to have more content from us, come and join our Patreon. That's a way to get two extra cases a month uh, from us or two extra episodes a month from us. And of course, uh, we'll be here for the rest of the week. So thank you all. They, uh, this has been yet another production of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Thanks, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.